1: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show today, uh, a big show today. I was joined by Chloe Anagnos from the American Institute for Economic Research, uh, and it was it was a great chat. We covered a lot of ground, uh, covered a lot of ground. Uh, I think you guys will really appreciate it. Uh, before I get to Chloe, I need to say hi to our sponsors over at Surly Beard Oil. Guys, gentlemen, gentlemen. Have you looked at yourself in the mirror lately? You look terrible. You look absolutely terrible. You look like crap. And you know what you could do to look way better? Grow a beard. Look, if you're a grown-ass man and you don't have a beard, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Grow a beard. Do something with your life. Be somebody. Come on. And ladies, if you're dating somebody or you're married to somebody that doesn't have a beard, just come on. Smack some sense into this guy, all right? He looks like trash. You know he looks like trash. He'd look way better with a beard. And maybe you're like, Brady, I grow a beard, but it doesn't look good. That's because you're not using beard oil or you're using really crappy beard oil. That's why you need to go to surlybeard.com. That is surlybeard.com. They have the best beard oil on the market. I'm wearing it right now. It's great. They have three different scents. They all smell terrific. It makes your beard nice and shiny. Feels good. Smells good. Uh, Trust me. It'll, it'll take your beard game up 10 points immediately, Surly Beard Oil. Follow them on Twitter, at Surly Beard Oil. Go to surlybeard.com. Uh, it is really great stuff. Definitely check them out. And, guys, if you want to get involved uh, with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. There's cool incentives if you choose to do so. And if you haven't already, guys, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. All right, without further ado, here is my chat with Chloe Anagnos. All right, guys, we're here with Chloe Anagnos from American Institute for Economic Research. Chloe, thanks so much for taking the time.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
1: Absolutely. So we have a lot of big stuff to get to today, a lot of, uh, you know, big topics, some real news to cover. But first, unfortunately we have to start with the F word. Um, <laughs> the the latest racial slur that apparently we're not allowed to use. And some of you might be wondering which F word am I talking about? Am I talking about the one used to disparage, you know, gay people? Nope, not that one. I'm talking about Fredo.
0: <laughs> Fredo. Apparently
1: Fredo is the next racial slur we're not allowed to use, and, and I'm not going to play the clip, but and it, just Google it. It's out there. YouTube it. It is, a, it is very funny. Uh, Chris Cuomo, the primetime CNN host, was accosted by some guy, some jerk out in public, when he was with his wife and daughter. and uh, Apparently, the guy called him Fredo, alluding to the dumb younger brother from The Godfather. <laughs> and Chris Cuomo <laughs> was triggered by this, started screaming and yelling, and threatened to kill the guy, which was a major overreaction, threatened to throw him down a flight of stairs. So uh that that's kinda weird. But but anyway, Chloe, since we live in the upside down, we live in some weird alternate universe where nothing matters, what do you make of Chris Cuomo's overreaction doing something that if he were conservative, obviously he would have been fired immediately? <laughs> and and oh, then exactly. what do you make of him uh, what do you, what do you make of him basically saying that calling him Fredo because he's Italian is akin to using the N word or something like that? What what do you, what do you make of this nonsense?
0: Well, I do think that it is nonsense. I have never heard someone use Fredo as an ethnic slur. I, I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. And we earlier we were talking about how the word Guido, I thought, has always been used as a derogatory term for Italians. I've never heard Fredo used. So I feel like we can't quote movies anymore in this upside down parallel universe and we can't attribute people to movie characters. And that's kind of weird because it is my favorite thing to call some of my crazy friends McLovin and reference <laughs> super bad, you know. So maybe maybe soon we're not going to be able to use McLovin for Irish people. I have no idea. Um, but I, you hit the nail on the head. I think that had it been a conservative news personality, they would have been fired immediately or put on leave. But it's very interesting to me that someone so prominent on the Left is not getting any backlash for the way that he behaved.
1: Right, I mean, look, and the the guy that that accosted him with his family. I mean, he was a huge dick move. Obviously, the guy's a jerk. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't do that. If if I was out in public with my wife and somebody came up to me and started, you know, saying things to me, I probably would have responded the same way. Obviously, I'm not a prominent news figure, so...
0: Not you know. asterisk. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet, is... yes.
1: I'm working on it. I'm working hard. Working hard, guys. But yeah, it's it's just... We don't need to talk anymore about Fredo, but but one more thing. Chris Cuomo oh, is Fredo. He is Fredo, though. I mean, his uh, I'm not saying his family members are some kind of intellectual giants or anything, but obviously his father, former governor Mario Cuomo, his older brother is the current governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Um, so in this scenario, he is... Fredo the analogy works yes he is Fredo
0: it does work and I think maybe props to that guy for thinking on his feet so quickly and calling him that because I literally have never heard anyone call someone a Fredo before granted I've not seen all the Godfather movies I know I know I need to get on it but uh, I I always appreciate a good insult especially when it relates to pop culture that's that's just me
1: (laughs) exactly I mean yeah insults coming from movie references are, are always funny uh, I haven't seen The Godfather in a long time. Like I was like a teenager last time I saw The Godfather. So, uh, there was a heated debate on Twitter yesterday at, at which movie's better, The Godfather or Goodfellas. And I would say definitely Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Goodfellas is by far the superior movie. Your your I, thoughts on that?
0: I haven't seen either of them in a very long time, but I do love a good leave the gun, take the cannoli reference, so I might have to go with The Godfather <laughs> on that one.
1: <laughs> that's fair. That that's fair. That's a fair point. All right, so let's let's talk about some real news uh, now that we got the F word out of the way. Um, you, you work for for A I E R, so let's talk some economics. Um, a lot of economists are concerned right now about the possibility of another recession. Obviously, uh, historically, a recession does happen every you know ten to twelve years, so we are overdue for a recession, um, even though the, the economy has been very strong. Um, some some economists are lighting their hair on fire right now because of the recent yield curve inversion. And for, for anybody that doesn't know, a, a yield curve measures uh, bond investors' confidence in the market, um, and whether that inverts, it's it's a bad it's bad news. It doesn't necessarily mean there's a recession on the horizon. But have you seen any other signs that we should be concerned with? Any other trends that you've noticed that that you know that worry you or that we should be, be watching for?
0: Well, I will say off the bat, I am not an economist, although I do work for AIR. I I like to think that I'm, you know, maybe some type of economist, but I I didn't get a PhD. I could barely get my, I could barely get my BA. Um, So I'm not an economist. However, from a lot of what I have been reading about in terms of of a future recession, I feel like something that we should be worried about is the current student loan crisis. And I honestly feel, and if um, any of your listeners go back and search my name, Chloe Nagos, um, in the back end of the AIER website. I wrote recently that a lot of student loan borrowers have debt up to more than half a million dollars, which is absolutely ridiculous. And that to me mirrors exactly what folks were doing in 2006, 2007, 2008 with home loans. They were taking out way more than they could afford, much more than their credit let on. They were buying houses that they they couldn't afford the economy tanked, and here they were not able to pay their mortgages, so there were foreclosures. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, the way that student loans work is that, I mean, it's not like you can give your diploma back. Your piece of paper is not worth that much. So now we're seeing these folks on the left who are running for office Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren trying to say that, oh, well, if we forgive student loan debt, then this is what's going to solve the crisis. And that can't be, that's not anywhere near what will help. I will say in the Midwest, I'm based in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm from Elkhart, Indiana originally, which is about 100 miles east of Notre Dame or the Chicago area, excuse me. Um, And Elkhart, Indiana had the highest unemployment rate in the country during the Great Recession. Elkhart right now is booming. Jobs are everywhere. The RV industry is incredibly strong. Main Street has been revitalized. And I know that a lot of economists, at least in the last 10 years, have said if you really want to get a good look of what the American economy looks like, look at Elkhart, Indiana. I was home over July 4th weekend. My family's re- restaurant has been around for 10 years. Uh, my uncle's literally during the middle of a recession. Everyone thought that would that they would fail, and they haven't, which has been great for us. But right across the street was a new ice cream shop that has opened up, and the woman there she makes all of the ice cream by hand. It's like old-fashioned, absolutely fantastic ice cream. Um, She has been sold out at least a few weekends in a row from what my parents have told me. Um, So I understand that folks, especially progressive economists on the left, get nervous anytime we have some of these trends pop up. But at least from what I'm seeing in the Midwest, that's not true. So to answer your question, maybe another recession will happen in one to two years. But I think that consumers' confidence is still very strong.
1: right right i definitely agree i'm not overly concerned yet um you know the the gdp growth has slowed a little bit uh i think it was down two and a half percent something like that last quarter um down from i think three point one percent the quarter before but we still have record low unemployment um and wages are still rising faster than they have since the early 90s so i mean there, there are a lot of good signs too um i the the protectionism stuff from the Trump administration drives me absolutely crazy though, and I oh, think oh um, yeah,
0: me too, me too. <laughs> I I, th-
1: I think the president is squandering some of the some of this great economic news that he's helped create. I mean, I, I like a lot of the moves he's made and and obviously president trump isn't an austrian economist right he's not reading uh, a lot of Hay- hayek and far mises from it. <laughs> he's not reading no, a lot he... of thomas Sowell or murray rothbard like we get that but no. he has surrounded himself with supply-siders like a, a bunch of like reaganite supply-siders i wish he would listen to them more <laughs> but he has surrounded himself with good people um, and obviously the tax cuts were good the the deregulation's been outstanding that that's helped the economy more than anything else in my opinion and, and then he steps on his own feet with with, uh, with this trade war with China and this trade war with Mexico. So I mean I can't yes. imagine – obviously the economy is strong, but how much stronger could it be? I can't even imagine if he wasn't fooling around with all this protectionism.
0: And and I think you're absolutely right. What frustrates me is that we have a very strong economy in, in the moment, much stronger than when I was in high school almost 10, 9, 10 years ago. And what a lot of folks, especially people who are very pro-Trump, don't realize with the trade war is that tariffs just means taxes on the American consumer. We're the ones who are we're the ones who are paying for the protectionism from the Trump administration when it comes to dealing with China, when it comes to dealing with Mexico. Um, A good example that I've seen in the media and on Twitter, especially in the last month, is uh, millennial hipsters who get. Really concerned that the cost of avocados are going to rise because of tariffs with Mexico. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you people, all you care about are the prices of avocados. That's absolutely ridiculous. I will say, though, when I, before I came over, I've been uh, in the Middle East for the last uh, month, just kind of living here, working remotely. Before I left, I was either at a Codoba or a Chipotle, and the guac that you can add on your burritos or your burrito bowls was like 50 cents more than what they usually charge. And they had a sign up that said due to rising avocado prices, we've had to raise our prices. And it's simple math. It's simple, simple economics in terms of the law of supply and demand. Um, And I wish that more folks who are very pro-Trump or very pro-Trump administration would understand that. But but unfortunately, they don't. They see, oh, well, you know, Mexico, they're taking our jobs and we have this this border crisis and we're going to punish them by not doing in any type of trade with them it's like well when you try to punish another country in terms of trade you end up punishing yourself so I I don't know why there's there's no logic in that but, but ultimately you can't really win hearts and minds with straight facts
1: I think the the mind frame from the president and his team and then you know a lot of trump supporters which I am a trump supporter I did vote for Trump and I plan on voting for him again uh, next year but I think their 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 frame of mind is like look these this trade war will hurt China more than it'll hurt us they'll they'll balk they'll come to the table they'll they'll make concessions. I yeah it's true that yes the trade war is hurting China more than us. I mean we have a more robust economy and a more diverse economy than they do obviously. But I, I just don't see that happening. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I don't I don't think the Chinese are going to break. I think they're going to keep pushing back uh and and hope that you know, another president is elected soon that will be kind of weaker uh, on them. So, like, I, I just don't see this working. I, I don't see, I mean, I don't know, maybe these protests going on in, in Hong Kong, maybe it, it weakens the Chinese government, weakens the Chinese economy to the point that they have to come to the table. I don't know. That seems kind of like a, that, that sounds like a pipe dream at this point. I guess that's feasible. But I, right. I just don't think the strategy is going to work.
0: I I don't really think the strategy would work either. You brought up an interesting point about the protests that are going on in Hong Kong. Uh, my friend who's traveling with me, she and I were just talking about that a little bit ago. And what's happening in Hong Kong is absolutely horrifying. But when it comes to media attention, you hardly get any of that. So maybe it is a pipe dream in terms of getting China to the table. But ultimately, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know what Will be the straw that will break the camel's back in terms of getting China to negotiate with the U.S. in terms of trade. I would hope that the Hong Kong protests might do a little bit of that, but I just want to see that area be as free as possible. And what's happening is truly heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, it is, and you know, well, yeah, you're right. It, it, nobody in in America is talking about that right now. Obviously, Fredo was trending number one on Twitter all day yesterday, and gosh, and, and,
0: and, more, and the and Hong more, Kong,
1: the Hong and, Kong protests were nowhere to be seen,
0: and more people on my timeline are concerned about the bachelorette or the bachelor results and i get it everybody loves a good trash tv show right but ultimately i value freedom and i know that a lot of folks out there especially in the libertarian conservative movement value freedom and the fact that we're having stupid things like fredo trending it's just ridiculous to me but but that's how that's how the media has been for the last 10 12 years since i've been uh, uh, you know, writing stories for my high school newspaper.
1: Well, one thing on on the Hong Kong protest too. I don't know if you saw the video, but um, uh, it was really cool to see. And I, obviously, I've been you know, everybody pray for their safety. Obviously, the the Chinese Communist Party uh, they they they're the biggest mass murderers, uh, you know, of all time. They've actually killed more people than Genghis Khan. Killed something like five more people than five times as many people as Stalin. So uh, they they don't really have yeah. a problem slaughtering civilians. But, no, um, absolutely I, a, not a lot of the uh there was a group of uh protesters at that airport in Hong Kong that were waving uh the American flag and reciting the uh the national anthem <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. it was just cool I to did see. see like that.
0: It, yeah yeah I as did much see that. as
1: people in America, especially the left uh just trash the history of our country, trash America the American flag still means something around the world. It is a, it is a symbol of freedom around the world. And these Chinese folks recognize that. And I, I, that was really cool to see.
0: So something else that you'll find interesting. So I'm right now I'm based in Jerusalem, Israel, and I went to the Holocaust museum this morning and walking around um, the, the, the Holocaust museum here does a really good job of leading you around the museum and explaining Just how the Holocaust happened in terms of propaganda, anti-Semitism, the the tactics that were used by the Nazis and the Nationalist Party in Germany to get to the destruction and and the mass murder of six million Jews. And what's very interesting is that when you walk through through the exhibit that talks about the turn of World War II and when the Allied forces came and essentially liberated an entire continent in Normandy, on the beaches of normandy you 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 feel at least for me an immense amount of pride as an american in terms of you know we don't always get a lot of things right but man we really saved the world in a sense in terms of world war ii um and it was very strange my friend brought up she said you know going to the holocaust museum in i know there's one in um new york uh, not, not new york uh, maybe there is but i know there's one in dc that's really popular there's one in Indiana, where we're from, that's also popular. But she said, being here in Israel and being around folks who are obviously Jewish, you know, they're they're wearing traditional garb, you see the impact that what we did has on some of these folks who live here in Israel. And that, to me, it was very, very spooky. But but when I see that there are other people out there who look to Americans and our nation, our government, our army, even though we don't get everything right. Man, we really did get something right in World War II in terms of defeating that movement. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I would hope that more folks in Hong Kong feel that feel feel that too in terms of the American ideas of personal and economic freedom.
1: Absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, one, one more point on uh, on economics before we move on. Um, sure. It's been. Very concerning, and I've talked about this at nauseum. But we, I want to circle back to it since I haven't mentioned it in a while. Um, it's been I've been very concerned with people on the right, people in the conservative movement yeah. abandoning free market economics. Uh, and I think it, it kind of st- it started before this, but uh, you know, with Tucker Carlson a few months back was was a big uh, a big pain in my ass <laughs> when he would go on his show Same. every night <laughs> and uh, basically he proposed banning everything he doesn't like, right? Banning automation, banning driverless cars, banning innovation, (laughs) you know what I mean? To try to protect, you know, like truck drivers' jobs or something like that. That's a blatant misunderstanding of how economies work, obviously. Um, You know, it's like, you know, people that trained horses trying to ban the Model T or something like that. It's absolutely ridiculous. But why are so many people on the right, you know, conservatives and libertarians, abandoning, we as a fair capitalism in favor of these statist economic talking points. I mean, it's it's so disturbing to see people go along with this.
0: I don't know if we can solve that problem in one podcast, but I think one thing that I've noticed <laughs> right. is, and, 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 you know, maybe one of these days we'll solve all the world's problems. It's definitely not going to happen in an hour, but I can t- tell you what I notice from friends of mine, acquaintances of mine who, say they're conservative or they say they're libertarian-leaning but waver in terms of free market principles. They're not really libertarian. They're not really conservative. Right. I think that part of it is maybe a, a political identity crisis within themselves. I am very... Ob- now I'm very obnoxious, uh, but I am a 110% small libertarian. I do not believe in mandatory anything. I do not believe in any type of intervention when it comes to the economy, when it comes to personal freedom, anything like that. Some might even go as far as calling me an anarchist. Is it true? Eh, maybe who knows, but I think that it it starts there. And I think you also have to look at the administration that's in office. When you have people, of a certain political ideology, abandoning what one would think is very, very core principles of that ideology. So you see, the Trump administration who comes in with status policies in terms of trade with China and Mexico, like we just mentioned, and you'll have folks who will essentially be yes men and they'll say anything to kind of go along with that administration. So I I know you voted for Trump and I'm not saying that you're one of those people who who would go along and do that, but I see that in a lot of my friends and acquaintances back home in Indiana where our, our vice president Mike Pence is from. So maybe they're not truly small libertarians. Maybe they're not truly conservative, or maybe they they only say that they're conservative or libertarian when it's convenient for them. And I think that's true of a lot of people, which is unfortunate.
1: Right. And you see with, with politicians, too, not just with voters and commentators, people like Tucker Carlson. And by the way, I'm 100% with you on economics. I don't support any intervention from the state in the in the markets yeah. at all. And
0: awesome.
1: um, yeah, people call me an anarchist all the time, too, which, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I don't yeah, want to. You know, I don't want to abolish the state tomorrow. Uh, it probably wouldn't be a good idea. If we got there eventually over the course of a few hundred years, I think that would be pretty terrific. But um, <laughs> I'm definitely a minarchist. Small steps. Uh, small steps. Yeah, <laughs> I'm certainly a minarchist, but it definitely you can call me an anarchist on the economy. Um, but you see, like the Tea Party, for instance, which is officially over. <laughs> they
0: gone. <laughs> they're, yeah, yeah, they're
1: dead. they're gone. They're dead. I mean, it's that horse isn't. Even it's you, you can't even call it kicking a dead horse. That horse has been dead for a while now. Obviously, uh, we're running like an eight hundred billion or eight hundred fifty billion dollar a year deficit, and uh, I, I forget how many senators even voted against this ridiculous spending bill, this omnibus, on, omnibus spending bill last month. I think it was like only twenty senators voted against it, something like that. It's just shameful. I, it, it, I mean, oh, absolutely, the House... it's shameful.
0: Oh. Well, look at uh, look at Dan Crenshaw. Who oh, came out when, when he ran, he said that he was this, you know, I'm a I'm a pro Second Amendment guy. Oh, I'm not gonna waver on any, anything. And then he comes out in support of red 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 flag laws. What? I know. I know. It's <laughs> like, okay, well, if something super scary happens, then let's just abandon the constitution and decide to write all of these laws. I think there's a meme that goes around. I see it a lot on Facebook after any type of violent mass. Mach- shootings where all the founding fathers are standing around the Constitution and they say, OK, but if something really scary and bad happens, then abandon everything. It's like, <laughs> that, that's that's not how this works. That's not how this goes. So that was really d- disappointing to me because I like Dan Crenshaw a lot. He seemed really, really cool. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, OK, typical politician. Oh, yeah. Shouldn't I, know. Have gotten I my hopes up.
1: I know. As soon as he he, st- I think he was on Stephen Crowder's show and he was saying how he's co-sponsoring that red flag law bill. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like at all the young conservatives on Twitter and stuff. I'm like, really, guys? This is your hero? Like, <laughs> like it was Nikki Haley for a while. They they really love Nikki Haley. Now they they really love Dan Crenshaw. It's like, one guys, especially young people listening to this podcast. Stop it. Stop idolizing these politicians. They're all monsters. OK, some are less monstrous than others. But Come oh, on. don't don't oh, plant yeah. your Dan f- Crenshaw is not the hill to die on, guys. Free market no. economics is free market yes. economics and things. Yes. like Things like the Second Amendment. These are hills to die on. If we lose the Second Amendment, it's all over. If we lose free market, laissez uh, fair capitalism, the country is over like we have lost. Those are the hill to die on. You know, don't just blindly support somebody like
0: Dan Crenshaw. So question for you. Do you ever get asked or do you ever get told to run for something like run for office in your community, whether that be school board or city council or state rep or something like that? I've been asked that before, like, oh, do you have any interest? Maybe you should run. Oh, you should do this. I say, uh, hell no. One, because I don't want to make decisions for other people. And two, because Any type of politician, they just get more and more hungry for power, and this is what we end up with. We end up with these, you know, darlings on the right who everyone idolizes, like you said, and then they go around and they screw up and they do something that you definitely – you didn't support it. I mean I had the same thing happen with me with uh, Todd Young here in Indiana. I volunteered for his campaign. I had a lot of friends who worked on it, and his messaging was that he was a a pro – Pro pro gun pro life marine, and anytime I made phone calls, I would repeat the script. Oh, Todd Young is a pro life pro gun marine who you know, served served at the border and did X Y and Z, and now he's coming out and he's co sponsored some type of sm- anti smoking legislation that raises the the legal smoking age from eighteen to twenty one. Oh, son
1: of a bitch! I didn't
0: sign <laughs> I I didn't sign up for that, and I put Ugh. I put on my I put on my Facebook I said this is why I do not volunteer anymore. Please do not ask me. And, and I have friends like if if friends of mine are running for city council, OK, that's small potatoes compared to senator. But come on. So I made it very clear. I said, hey, friends, not doing this anymore because this is what ends up happening.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, I'm on my county's central committee for the Republican Party. Um which is oh
0: okay
1: that's like it's not a real office it's an unpaid position we have one meeting a year like it's not it's not a big deal but uh yeah I, I have been approached by a couple different people saying like hey would I ever want to run for something and um I tell them absolutely not absolute mm-hmm. hell no absolutely not one I don't want to be corrupted by, <laughs> by the system and then two look I'm the singer in a rock and roll band I've you know been drunk in bars in every major city and small town in 45 or 46 states so there's way too much dirt out Dang. on me so that's uh, I, you know I do not want to put myself through that kind of scrutiny but yeah you're, you're absolutely right I uh, yeah. for the love of God what what can we be doing to educate the voters like anybody on the right whether you're a libertarian or a conservative and you see Dan Crenshaw saying I'm sponsoring red flag laws a red flag law bill everybody every, I mean everybody's radar should be going off You know, like, alarms, you know, DEFCON 5, right? Like, nope, this is bad, this is unconstitutional. (laughs) How can we educate these people? Like, the second—I always put it this way. The Second Amendment is moral. Like, you know, having your gun laws not being infringed is moral. Free market economics is moral. Like, that is—you know, statist economics is immoral in my mind. Partially because I believe taxation is theft, but for other reasons as well. Uh, you know what, what can we be doing? Should we be trying to explain the morality of our positions? like because people are way caught up in their feelings right now over facts. but what can we be doing to educate the electorate?
0: Ooh, that's, that's a good question. And, and I think it's hard to educate people who don't want to be educated because right. ultimately, ultimately, people on the left, progressives, whatever whatever you want to call them, only care about the we need to do something statements and only care about red red flag red red flag laws uh, they only care about anything that will solve the problem in the short term they don't really care about the long term and here's the other thing too a lot of people don't understand how our government works they don't understand our basic rights because it's not being taught in high schools anymore it's not being taught in middle schools anymore
1: yeah that's true. I don't know how well, you
0: feel about public Education, but they're in doctrine centers anymore. Oh no! I yeah, was, abolish it. Abolish
1: it. Yeah, privatize everything. Yeah, abolish it. They, yeah, they, yeah, the Department of Education should be abolished immediately. But you you mentioned uh, you mentioned something important, and that is you know the left and some people on the right too, obviously, but uh, always on the left. Oh yeah. Anytime something happens,
0: ways.
1: you know, anytime anything happens, the people on the left say, "Do something! Do something!" I I hate that more than anything. <laughs> like that is that mindset yeah. of just yeah, do something. Too is absolutely asinine. I, I believe, personally, that the greatest president in the history of the United States was Calvin Coolidge. And his motto was, <laughs> never do anything, right? He did yeah. nothing. He would best not sign— Best president ever had. The best president by far—George uh, Washington's up there. It's it's between Washington and Coolidge in my Oh, yeah, mind, he was but, pretty good, too. Yeah, but uh, cool, at least in modern presidents, Calvin Coolidge is, is the goat, uh, certainly. But he didn't do anything. I mean, he he would sign, he signed nothing into law. Like, he just vetoed everything. He would not let Congress do anything. They would not let him pass new laws. All he did was cut taxes, cut regulations, let people do whatever the hell they wanted. And, you know, we were talking about whether there's another recession coming. There was a recession in 1923 that was actually worse than the, the stock market crash in 1929, and Coolidge didn't do a damn thing. He did absolutely nothing. He did not yep. react to it. And the recession sucked. People were hurting for about six months, and then the market corrected and, is- and <laughs> issued in the Roaring Twenties, which is still, to this day, the largest economic boom in the history of the human race. So that that, that works. Doing absolutely nothing works. That's what our government should be doing. Nothing. Obviously, if Hoover, Hoover would have done nothing in 1929, yeah, there would have been a Great Depression. It would have sucked for a year. And then the markets would have would have would have balanced out, everything would have been fine. But instead he injected statism into the equation, he injected socialism into the equation. And we had a twelve year long Great Depression that only ended because the Emperor of Japan made the worst military blunder in the history of warfare. So
0: like, Absolutely that's, that's
1: what happens when you bring the state into it. We all should be looking well, to, and then, to Calvin Coolidge and his model.
0: Well, and then everything with FDR in terms of expanding, 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 and expanding our government. And I watched a really good Netflix documentary a few years ago talking about uh, FDR and his presidency. And the historian talked about how the, the presidency of the United States is like a leather glove. Once you wear it for a long time and you get a bigger and bigger hand into it, it stretches and it can never shrink. And that's what, at least in more modern times, has happened to the office of the president of the United States. And that's all because of FDR. More government overreach. The president is seen as more of a figurehead instead of balanced powers between each of the three branches. And that's why I think he's probably the worst president we've ever had. But I digress.
1: Yeah, I, well, I, I'd, I'd say Wilson's worse. I'd oh, he, yeah, he was pretty bad, too. Well, I don't know if he he damaged the country as much as FDR did, but just to, just to The metric of being just an evil bastard, (laughs) I think. I I might have to rank Wilson uh, as worse than FDR, but you really can't go wrong. They were both wicked, horrible, horrible presidents.
0: They can be tied right now. That's fine. That's
1: fair. That's fair. They can That's be fair. tied. <laughs> one was way more racist. The other one was way more of a commie. So, yeah, I, I hate both of those uh, groups.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Equal, equally.
1: They're both equally evil. So, yeah, I agree. With you. So we're almost out of time. But um, before before I let you go, uh, we, we have yeah. to get to this. You wrote a piece um, in uh, for AIER uh, last week about the doppelganging in the literary industry and, and how intellectual property laws come into play and, and kind of what to do about it. Now, this is not anything I'd ever heard of. I know nothing about this, but it was a very interesting piece, uh, and uh, walk us through it.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that that you enjoyed it. Uh, So the big thing that I found in my role at AIR as our publications manager is that publishing books is hard. I ultimately believe that it shouldn't have to be hard to publish a book. In the United States, whether you're trying to do that yourself, whether you're trying to do that on a platform like Amazon, and because of IP laws, it gets tricky, it gets annoying, and it can get very frustrating. So, for example, um, in that piece that I talked about, um, and, and, and if folks want to go back, any of your listeners, and if they want to read more about copyrights and IP law, um, I've written a lot about it in the last few months because I've been having more problems in my role in terms of trying to get our books published and that's mainly because amazon as much as i love the platform is trying to protect themselves and i think authors in general when it comes to uh plagiarism and when it comes to doppelganging ganging in 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 books which is when um algorithms don't necessarily recognize differences between uh authors names or um Different titles. So, title cloning is a problem in my industry, and that's the that's when people use the same title on a different book. And author doppelganging is legal, but you can't copyright or a title or a person's name, which gets very confusing. So, when trying to curb activity, and when you're trying to make sure that no one rips off your work or or uses the same title that you have, um, anytime an author Tries to do that, they just lose that battle. So, a lot of people will try to look to copyright law for help because they think that those protections can shield them from losing income, uh, but that's not what happens at all. Um, so, a lot of publishing houses don't really cater to readers, but instead they're only interested in buying full catalogs. Um, so, now they're starting to increasingly use self publishing tools. Um, and the big thing that we started doing at AIR and trying to combat a lot of the problems that we're having with using platforms like Amazon is publishing everything through a Creative Commons license. Um, So that's what's been very helpful for us because um, it, it makes it so that you're not just saying, like, screw copyright, like, forget it. You know, anyone can use anything that we have, but it's a very, very loose copyright so that if someone wanted to come along and look at one of our pieces or one of our books they could publish it or translate it later on whenever they wanted. So if any of your listeners out there have any interest in taking some of Jeffrey Tucker's work for example and translating it into another language like Spanish or French or Portuguese, they can do that and that's fully within their right. Um, So what's frustrating for me is, is that anytime I submit a new book into Amazon, a lot of times Amazon will email me back and they'll say, oh, well, we're not really sure if you can submit this book because a lot of this information is freely available on the internet. And as much as I want to email back or call them and say, "Um, Hey, that's the point. (laughs) I can't necessarily do that. So I have to jump through hoops. I have to prove that, Hey, we are publishing under this creative commons license. We have the full cooperation of the author. I always have to send in a work agreement. Um, Oftentimes I have to prove that whatever work we're submitting is not in the public domain, which gets even more Confusing and more annoying, um, and and it just takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy. And the point that I make in a lot of my articles is that if we don't take works like the works of Ludwig von Mises, um, and we published his book recently called "The Best of Ludwig von Mises," uh, that book unfortunately got blocked on Amazon. We were able to You're make kidding. the book through another. Oh yeah, it got blocked because uh, apparently I couldn't prove enough. That that um the work was in the public domain therefore we could package it put it together put in a forward by jeffrey tucker and sell it on amazon they shut they shut us down so instead of that book being available on amazon you can buy it on the aier website and there's ways around it but obviously it's much more convenient to buy a book on amazon than it is to go all the way to aier.org buy the paperback and then have us ship it through our publishing house i mean we can do it and i'm not saying that folks shouldn't buy the book but ultimately it's very inconvenient. So what's frustrating was that in that process, Amazon put me through the hoops uh, so much that I had to find out the date of birth and the date of death for one of the translators, I think of his last essay, whoever translated it from German into English, I had to go to the internet, I had to go to Google and I had to find find out as much information as possible because Amazon what was trying translator? to protect themselves. about the translator. That's not about Mises himself, <laughs> about the translator. Right. And so, of course, I worked really closely with Jeffrey on this, and ultimately we knew that we had the information and, and that they wanted. And we packaged it to them. I sent a very thoughtful email. I said, hey, you can call me if you have any more questions. And we went back and forth for about five or six emails, and they ultimately blocked it. And I kid you not, I wanted to cry. I was so upset. Because if, if, if this work is not available and if it's not republished and if it's not reprinted, it's going to get lost. And I can't tell you how many people have come to us and come to me too, within the last few months since I've, since I've been in this role and they've said, Hey, um, I have the original manuscript of this economist from, you know, such and such, and maybe they're not really well known, but it's never been reprinted from the thirties or the forties. And again, if, if it's not reprinted and republished and put out there so that people can can read and understand what was going on in the world, uh, especially as it relates to economics in the 40s when World War II was happening. It's going to get lost, and we're not going to be able to learn from our history. So a bit of a long-winded answer, but you can tell that I'm a bit passionate about publishing right. the work of 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 these economists and Mises especially that was a really hard blow because come on it's Mises everybody needs to read Mises and especially the best the best of Mises you know
1: yeah I mean Mises should be mandatory reading and you guys are really doing the Lord's work by by you know republishing his work you know obviously that, that's asinine to what Amazon did to you guys it's, I, I can't believe that that's ridiculous
0: and it was it was only with his book For, fortunately I've I've been kind of able to to figure Figure out a way around a lot of the the IP just complete BS that they put me through. Uh, but Mises is dead. Like I can't get a signed contract from him that says, oh yeah, it's okay. The AIER republishes everything. I had the same problem with the the Lysander Spooner books that we've put out too, and I've had to prove, hey, like he's been dead for a while, and not just like a while, but like more than 75 years a while. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to. I don't like being put. Through, the, through those hoops. But Lysander Spooner and Mises, I think, are definitely two two figures that everybody should read, especially if they're interested in economics and history.
1: And especially if they're in Congress, apparently. <laughs> like, like we, One could like hope. We, like we mentioned <laughs> earlier. But keep up the great work. You guys are definitely doing the Lord's work out there. And um, all right, so I'm out of time. Thank I have so to much. let you go. But uh, Chloe, thanks so much for coming on. I have to have you back on soon. This was a lot of fun. Um, where can everybody follow you online and where can everybody read your stuff and keep in touch and all that good stuff?
0: Best way to do that is through Twitter, Facebook. I'm just at Chloe Agnos on Twitter. Um, I'm Chloe Nagnos Writes on Facebook. My email, if people have tips or any, I don't know, anything they want to send me, memes, cat pictures, it's just ChloeNagnos at gmail.com. They can continue to read my work at AIER and um, wherever people want to republish my articles.
1: All right. Everybody follow Chloe. Uh, She's great. We'll definitely do this again soon. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.